Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation, New Jersey. God bless you. PA here, Pastor Adam Bird, and I'm so excited that you would choose to spend your Sunday morning here with us at Every Nation, New Jersey. And so, uh, as you know, we've been going through the Gospel of John, and we're, we're almost to the end. And uh, before we jump into John's Gospel today, I, I, um, I need to give you a date. And listen, if you're 45 years of age or older, you'll remember this date. You'll remember exactly where you were and what you were doing. And that date was October 3rd, 1995, because that was the day uh, we got the verdict on Orenthald James Simpson. O.J. Simpson was found not guilty uh, of first-degree murder. Do you remember it? Right? This trial was just epic. We got to know uh, Judge uh, uh, Ito, uh, Marsha Clark. They became household names that, that we, we were introduced to Johnny Cochran and Robert Kardashian. And who knew that a decade later we'd find out that Robert Kardashian had some little girls, right, that grew up to be pretty famous. <laughs> and uh, But if you're 45 years or younger, I'm not going to leave you out because because you'll uh, remember uh, last spring in 2022, another court case. It was between uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Uh, and do you remember uh, this once married couple were suing one another uh, over defamation uh, lawsuits and one was suing, one was counter suing. And, and listen, uh, man, it was so highly publicized, like you couldn't help uh, but watch it. And, and so uh, it was funny, there was a little bit of it where you heard how dysfunctional their marriage was, that you felt better about yours. And <laughs> But I considered that courtroom, man, it was just kind of like, it was like, like a car crash. You just can't help. You don't want to look, but you have to. <laughs> and so that, that was that one. And, and if you remember both of those court cases, uh, then you're proving my point this morning. And here's my point. Uh, we are riveted uh, by courtroom dramas. <laughs> you, we just are. We, we can't get enough of it. And if you don't believe me, like just Google uh, courtroom dramas on TV. Like, like I did it. And do you know, it, it pulled up at least 67 courtroom um, shows that we watch. So there's Night Court, Divorce Court, People Court. Then there's uh, Judge Judy, Judge Wapner, Judge Brown, right? We have uh, L.A. Law. We have Law and Order. We have uh, Matlock, for goodness sake. And so we have all these courtroom dramas we can't get enough of. And, and that's not even on the big screen. Like, man, the big screen, we had 12 Angry Men, uh, not to be confused with A Few Good Men. Uh, we had Aaron Brockovich, and we also had L. Wood in Legally Blonde. And so we love courtroom dramas. And if that's you this morning, you're going to love John chapter 18 and 19. It, it's a courtroom drama. We're going to see that we see that, that Jesus uh, is arrested. Uh, and then he faces uh, six uh, trials or interrogations. And here's what's insane. Uh, he's interrogated by people by, uh, like Pilate, Herod, the high priest, and time and time again, they interrogate Jesus, and yet they find him not guilty. Like none of their claims or accusations will stick uh, to Jesus. And here's what's insane. He was found innocent, and they killed him anyways. 
Like he was not guilty, and yet they put him on a cross. And I, I guess, in, you know, it really shouldn't be that shocking to us because um, uh, I think we all do this more than we realize. Like, like we interrogate Jesus. We, we put God uh, on trial. Um, and so uh, it's, uh, there's a C.S. Lewis, man, I'm a, I'm a groupie. I'm a fan of everything, all things C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis, he actually wrote a series of essays that, that uh, uh, somebody made into a book. And it's called this, God in the Dock. God in the dock. And so the dock is just the, the witness stand. It's an English way of saying the witness stand. In other words, the, the essays are about putting God on trial. And I think we do it all the time. And, and hey, maybe you're just holier than me, but I know I've been guilty of doing this, putting God in the dock. I'll share one time I did it. Um, um, I was uh, actually I was uh, playing professional hockey. I I had just signed as a free agent with the the Atlanta Thrashers of the of the NHL, and uh, I signed a, a two year uh, contract with the team had the third year option. I was making a uh, one million per season, um, and, and get this, uh, man, I, I was I was loving God and doing things for the kingdom of God. I mean, just so you know, man, I, I was winning people to Christ. I was leading Bible studies uh, in my home. I was helping our Every Nation church plant uh, in Atlanta to get to get started and get off the ground. And we were actually, uh, we, we allowed missionaries to come live uh, in our home. And so we were doing all we could do for the kingdom of God. And then uh, my first year with the Atlanta Thrashers, uh, the first shift of the first preseason game, I got a slap shot into my face. Um, I, for those of you that don't know hockey, I mean, the, the puck goes over 100 miles per hour. It, it shattered uh, the right side of my face. Um, I had to have 13 plates and 42 screws uh, put in. And so it, it, it put me behind the eight ball for that season. And so I started uh, real late, but then I jumped back in and I played about 20 games or so. And then after 20 games, um, I ruptured a disc in my back. I had to have surgery which led to another surgery, which led to another complication. Uh, I, I got a staph infection, which eventually uh, invaded my blood and started attacking all uh, my, my, my vital organs. So the doctor said, hey, you have a 70% chance uh, of living. And I thought, oh, well, that's great. Uh, for the record, I lived, okay, I survived. <laughs> but um, I was forced to retire. And I tell you what, I was so furious at God. Like I was so offended. I'm like, God, I've done all this for you and this is how you repay me. And I, I'm not proud of this. I'm just being olive, uh, honest with you. And, and so, uh, man, if I was to be like really dig down, I felt like God owed me something. And so here's what's so, uh, which I'm so embarrassed about is, uh, I was so aware of all I was doing for God. And yet I was blind to all God had done for me. Uh, I was arrogant and ignorant. I mean, when you think about it, here I am, I, I'm making a, a million dollars a year, living in my million dollar home. Um, the average NHL career is three years. I played 14. Um, you know, I, I have a, a healthy family, two beautiful daughters, a, a hot smoking wife, right? I have all these things, and yet what? I point my, I shake my, my fist and my finger at, at God saying, how dare you, right? It was arrogant and ignorant. And, and if we're honest, it's the original sin of Eve, isn't it? Like, like, like the absurdity of it. Eve had everything there was 
but one thing. And the one thing she couldn't have, it blinded her from everything she did have. And so, so that was me. I was playing the role of Eve in this. Uh, I was arrogant and ignorant. And here's what's so amazing. Through it all, God was so patient and so kind with me. You know, uh, so today's talk, I, I want to talk about putting God in the dock, putting God uh, on trial. And so, uh, um, you know, I was just going to, I was trying to figure out all the things that we'd, we'd want to uh, test God about. And then I came across a, a campus uh uh, ministry, and they actually put out a survey uh, to campus students, to university students, and um, they asked this question: If you could ask God one question, what would you ask? And and get this. So another way of saying that is: If you could put God in the dock, what would you ask Him? And so uh, it was amazing. They they received over two thousand uh, handwritten and signed answers to the question, "What would you ask God, or what would you say if you put God in the dock?" And if I could just share with you a few of them that they were very raw. It's how can I know for sure how to get to heaven? Why is there so much suffering in the world? Why did my brother have to die? Why did my dad walk out and leave us with nothing? What really happens when you die? What was your temptation with homosexuality? Since the Bible said, God has been through what we have been through. The question, am I going to heaven? Was all my heartbreak as a child for a purpose? And so this is just a few, and you can you can feel the raw and the realness uh, of these questions. And, and so this campus ministry, they've boiled down these 2,000 answers, and they put them into to nine categories or, or nine um, uh, questions that would kind of sum it up. And uh, I'm not going to go through all nine because uh, you don't want to listen to me that long, but I am going to try and a whiz through six of them. And so so bear with me. This is uh, putting God in the dock. What would you ask God in the witness stand? And so here's question number one is this. Why is there so much suffering in the world? Why is there so much suffering in the world? And so um, uh, I don't know if we have any Trekkies that are watching with us. If you remember uh, Star Trek, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a purist of the, the original ones with Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner, right? And so Leonard Nimoy, he played, as you know, Spock, right? And so do you know that, that Dr. Spock, it was funny, Leonard Nimoy, uh, as they were, they were developing the show, they wanted to do a Vulcan greeting. And so uh, Leonard Nimoy is actually has a Jewish heritage. And so uh, he knew the Jewish blessing. It was something called uh, Shin. It's, it's, it's this blessing. Uh, Shin is a letter in the Jewish alphabet, and, and it's the, the beginning letters of this word, Shalom. And shalom means peace. And so they took, he took half uh, the, the Jewish greeting, and he said this, live long and prosper. Right. And so and so here's what you see. So this idea, though, of Shalom, Shalom can be a, a, a Jewish greeting and, and it's the word for peace. Uh, it's the biblical word for peace as well. And it means this nothing broken and nothing lacking, nothing broken and nothing lacking. And so God in Genesis one, he creates everything there is in perfect Shalom. Nothing broken, nothing lacking, and everything he creates is good, is good, is good. But then in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve rebel against God and they eat of the forbidden fruit. And in that moment, shalom, it shatters. It shatters everywhere. And, and God, in fact, um, as they rebel against him, they ask Adam and Eve, what have you done? 
God says in Genesis 3, because you've done this, the earth is cursed. And then from that time moving forward, what do we see? That humanity starts to spiral downward, that, that Adam uh, blames Eve. And so there's, there's friction in, in the relationship between the man and the woman. We see that Cain kills Abel. And the Bible says this, that our foolish hearts, they grew dark and dark and dark. And so... Um, the Apostle Paul in, in Romans chapter 8, he describes it this way, that when sin entered the cosmos and pressed the creation, it says this, that the creation, it groans. Like there's, there's a moaning to the creation. It, it's awaiting the redemption or the time when Jesus returns and he fixes everything, that he restores shalom once again to the creation. And so to blame God for all the suffering, I feel like is wildly unfair. In fact, um, do you know this, that there's uh, 1.35 million people die in automobile accidents every year. 1.35 uh, million people per year. But, but nobody is, is blaming Henry Ford for it, are they? I mean, you created this thing and all these people are dying. No, we don't do that. So nor should we. God creates everything and then humanity wrecks it all. Man, like, like a car collision, over and over, humanity sins against one another, and it, gets, it gives us the suffering that we see today. And then, in fact, we shouldn't be blaming God, we should feel for God. Because get this, so I, I'm gonna shoot you straight. Once again, this is not something I'm proud of, but it's it's true, is, man, I, I'll be watching TV sometimes, and, and then those ASPCA commercials come on. You know, the one with Sarah McLaughlin singing in the background, you know, the, in the arms of the angel, right? You see these poor puppies and these abused animals, and uh, or, or maybe uh, you've seen the ones with these emaciated, starving children in some third world country. Inevitably, when these commercials come on, I flip the channel. You know what? Because I, I just, I don't want to see that. And, and for the record, you know that God can't flip the channel. That he sees all the suffering around the world all the time. He can't change the channel. And you can imagine it breaks the heart of God. That, that it breaks his heart and yet infuriates to the, what, what sin has done to his beautiful creation. But here's the great promise is Jesus is coming back again, and he's going to make everything new. And there's going to be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow. He's going to restore shalom back to the creation. And so uh, here's question number two. Uh, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? And, and so, uh, listen, I, I got to say, I've heard this question a million times, and, and it starts with a false presupposition. Um, it, see, it presupposes that people are good. And I would contend with you, no, we're not. People are not good. And I think we have thousands and thousands of years of human history uh, to, to verify the claim that we are not good. Um, do you know that God gives us the Ten Commandments? Uh, it, the Ten Commandments are not given to make us good. They're to reveal to us that we're not. Uh, in fact, I'll read it for you in Romans chapter 3, uh, verses 19 and 20. 
It says this, Now we know that whatever the law says, or the commandments, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Did you get that? It says that man, every mouth may be shut. And this is the Bible's way of saying, hey, shut your mouth. You are not good. You're a sinner. And the law of God reveals it. And so uh, I, I, if you're uh, feeling a little self-righteous this morning and you don't believe me, uh, I'm going to do the Ten Commandment test. I've done this a million times. Let's do it a million one. Um, so uh, here we go. I'm, I'm going to get you. I could get you on every one of the commands, but I'll just start slow and easy. Uh, thou shall not lie. Any liars out there ever told a lie or maybe just didn't tell the full truth? Uh, and if you said no, that's at least your second lie, okay? Uh, sure, you, you, you've told a lie before. Uh, how about this? Uh, fellas, I'm just going to speak to men today. Uh, ever look at a woman lustfully? No? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> a bull. And, and the scripture would say, man, to look at a woman lustfully, it's as if you committed adultery. Boom, you're busted again. Ladies, I'll speak to you. Man, did you ever have your girlfriend? Man, that she got that thing that, that you wanted, but she got it, and, and you couldn't be happy for her? You're like, oh, oh, you got engaged. That's so great, right? And so what is that? That's called coveting, wanting what someone else has. And, and I could go on and on through the commandments. The, the commandments reveal, hey, there's something broken on the inside of us. In fact, um, uh, we, we, if we don't, not only can we keep God's law, we, we can't keep our own law. Uh, like, like if you ever uh, kind of did that, hey, I, I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> like, Mom and Dad, your kids are going to bring home Halloween candy, and uh, you're going to promise yourself you're not going to eat that Reese's peanut butter cup at 11 o'clock at night, and what are you going to do? You're going to break your own law. I promise you that, right? So I won't eat that. I won't drink that. I won't look at that. And what? We break our own law. Um, and so we're just lawbreakers. Here, here's another one, too. God gives us uh, a conscience. It's the, the, the word con means with, science means knowledge, that we're all born with an innate knowledge of good and evil, of right and wrong. And what do we do? We violate our conscience time and time again. In fact, you know, the psychologists know that we have this, this low-grade um, realization that, man, we're not as good as people think we are. And uh, it, it's called imposter syndrome. And so it's this idea of this fear of being found out a fraud that, man, I'm not as kind as you think I am. Man, I'm not as, uh, as smart as you think I am, so on and so forth. And so we know that we, that we fall short. We're not intrinsically good. And so when we say that someone's a good guy or a good girl, here's what we mean. We mean that, that they're mostly good. They're mostly good. And so let me ask you this. So uh, if you were to go to the grocery store today and you go to the bread aisle with all this delicious bread and, and there's, there's, there's bread there that says, hey, it's mostly good bread. Are you buying that bread? No, you're not. Uh, you're going out for a nice sushi uh, date night with your wife, but the sushi restaurant outside, there's a sign, mostly good sushi, <laughs> or, uh, mostly good milk, right? You, you fill in the blank. Man, uh, you don't want food that's, that's mostly good. In fact, but, but yet we try to pull this with God. We say, hey, I, you know, I'm not perfect, but, uh, but I'm not Johnny, right? So you, you compare yourself to some other scoundrel and, and then as to somehow uh, 
point out the fact that, that you're good, right? And you're not good. And, and neither am I. What we mean is we mean we're mostly good. And God's not coming back for a mostly good people. Uh, he's coming back for a people that are perfect. It's the biblical word, holy. A people that are holy. And so... Um, uh, if, if perfection sounds unreasonable to you, because to be honest with you, it's first I was like, man, to be perfect, Lord, it's unreasonable. But, but you do realize, like uh, our nation, our country, we set laws into effect. Why? To, uh, that for human flourishing and to protect people, right? That's why we put laws. And do you know what the expectation is? The expectation is not that we keep most of the laws. <laughs> the expectation is that we keep all all the laws fully and to violate the, like one of those <laughs> means man you are not good in fact you are a lawbreaker and so mostly good is not good all right and so you and I are not good and so I feel like we're asking the wrong question when we ask why do bad things happen to good people I think that the, the better question is to ask this uh, why does uh, God do anything good for us because we're not good <laughs> and so uh, in fact Jesus uh, he um, he's approached by a rich young ruler in the scriptures and he approaches Jesus and he says good teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life and I love Jesus response in Mark chapter 10 verse 18 uh, and this is gonna verify the fact that man you and I aren't good and Jesus said to him why do you call me good no one is good except God alone See, only God is good, and He does good. In fact, if you have anything good in your life, it's from a good, gracious, and benevolent God. Uh, James, the Lord's brother, he writes this in James 1.17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And so I just think we're blinded uh, to the millions of graces and good, kind acts of God uh, that, that he gives to us each and every day. In fact, if you ever just pay attention, like, like our planet is a good gift from God. Like it's designed perfectly for mankind to flourish and to thrive. If we were any closer to the sun, we would burn up. Any further away, man, everything would freeze. But God in his graciousness set it up for that humanity can flourish. Um, how about this? Did you know that your eyebrows, man, your eyebrows are designed in such a way that when sweat hits your brow, it takes it away from your eyes. It's a benevolent creator. He didn't want you to get, get um, uh, salty sweat in your eyes so they wouldn't burn. I mean, that is a loving God. And listen, if any of you have had COVID, uh, you realize that taste, uh, man, taste is a good, loving gift uh, from Almighty God. And so God is good and he gives good things. Uh, here's uh, number three, uh, talking about, man, put, putting God in the dock is this. Here's the question. If, if God uh, can prevent evil, why doesn't he? If God can prevent evil, why doesn't he? Uh, and so once again, this is another false presupposition. Uh, the, the, it presupposes that God doesn't already prevent evil. And I would submit to you, he does. In fact, there's a, a theological term, it's just called common grace. And it's this idea that God restrains evil in, in the earth, uh, that it's not as evil as it could be. It doesn't max out in its wickedness, which is an alarming to think, man, the capacity uh, for the, the evil that mankind can do. And so, uh, and, and I'm convinced of this. 
that each and every day there are thousands and thousands of moments that we're just blind to that God has restrained evil, has stopped calamity, uh, has stopped wickedness. And I believe, man, once we get to glory and, and we rewind the tape uh, on, on human history, we're going to see time and time again where the, our good and gracious God restrained evil on our behalf. In fact, uh, I'm reminded of the story, Westside Baptist Church in Beatrice, Nebraska. Uh, uh, every Wednesday night uh, at 7.20 on the dot, they have choir practice. Um, and then, uh, it, uh, alarmingly enough, at 7.25 on a Wednesday night, the Westside Baptist Church literally exploded. It blew up due to a gas leak. But here's what's incredible. Um, not one of the 15 choir uh choir uh, members passed away. They all survived. You know why? Because none of them were there. <laughs> all 15 members of the choir were late for choir practice. One person had car trouble. Uh, one person had family issues. One person slept too long at their nap. All 15 people missed the choir practice. So, man, aren't they lucky? Or there's a benevolent, loving God uh, that said, uh, told evil, not today, not today, right? And so uh, why doesn't God uh, prevent evil? Uh, I think one reason is this, so we can see uh, the hideousness uh, of sin and hate it. So, so we see the fruit of sin, which is evil and wickedness, and we grow to hate sin. Because listen, if, if we're honest with one another, man, we still kind of like sin. Like there's certain sins. I'm like, I'm still kind of drawn to that thing and like them. But you know why? Because we don't see their end result. We don't see their fruit and we haven't grown to hate it. Man, I, I used this illustration before, but so, I mean, I heard the story of this, this little girl who she just loves snakes. She got a pet snake. I don't know. Weird little girl. Okay. So she gets this pet snake um, and, and uh, she sleeps with it. It sleeps at the top of her head uh, on her pillow and she loved the snake, but the snake started to grow and it got too big. So it would sleep at her feet at the foot of her bed, right? And so this snake is growing larger and larger, but she noticed the, the snake wasn't doing very well. And so she, she took the snake uh, to the vet and she has asked a, uh, the vet asked, is, has the snake been ask, uh, acting oddly at all? And she said, well, it, it has been doing one thing, that when I sleep at night, it no longer sleeps at the foot of my bed, but now it's sleeping all the way up my side like this. And, and just alarmed, the veterinarian said, you kill that snake at once. It's measuring you to see how much it needs to grow so it can consume you and eat you. Right? I'm like, oh my goodness, man. And, and that is what sin wants to do. Man, sin is not your friend. It's not cute. And so God allows us to see evil so we grow to hate sin. Uh, why doesn't God prevent evil? Um, here's another reason. Because God is patient and long-suffering towards sinful humanity um, uh, that perpetrates evil. And you know what? We're part of that sinful humanity. Like God is patient and long-suffering with us. I love G.K. Chesterton. Um, he was asked to, to write uh, an essay. Uh, the theme was this, um, what's wrong with the world? And G.K. Chesterton wrote back to the London Times uh, two words. What's wrong with the world? I am. Sincerely, 
G.K. Chesterton. What's wrong with the world? I am. You are, right? And so, uh, but, but I get the big idea. Why doesn't God just prevent evil? And like just there, there's evil people and good people. And, and so just get rid of the bad people, right? And uh, so I understand that thinking. So we want to eradicate uh, evil, sinful people. So uh, where's the, where does the line of sin stop, okay? So we should begin with like murderers. Man, they need to be eradicated uh, from the earth. God needs to, to wipe them out. Oh, sure, for sure. You know what's problem with that is uh, there, there's a lot of murderers in your Bible. You know, we, we lost Moses, uh, then David, the Apostle Paul, so on and so forth. Like there was a lot of murderers uh, that went on to, to do great things uh, for God. Uh, but, but maybe we, how about liars? Man, we need to eradicate liars, man, lying. And, and it might not seem like a big thing because I'm, I'm guessing uh, you've lied before. And again, if you haven't, that's probably your third lie this morning. Is this, do um, you know, Satan's called the father of lies. And in fact, uh, Adam and Eve, they were, they were lied to by the serpent. And that one lie is, is what perpetrated all the sin you see in the world today, right? That, that um, uh, in fact, uh, uh, Bernie Madoff lied to all these investors. If you remember Bernie Madoff, I was with uh, an NFL Hall of Famer when he found out that Bernie Madoff had been lying to him all these years through a Ponzi scheme. scheme. He, uh, he lost $9 million in one moment, just like that. And so uh, do we just get rid of the liars? Murders and liars, we'll get rid of them. Uh, how about thieves? You know, people that steal and rob, do, do we get rid of them? And, and surely, like, do you know, like, if I'm on, my, on the clock, I'm a company time, surfing the net and looking through social media, that's not stealing, despite the fact that you're stealing time from your com- uh, company, or the fact that uh, it says uh, that when you fail to tithe, give 10% uh, of your income to God, God says that you're robbing him, you're stealing. And in fact, this is an intimate one for me, is, uh, you know, early on in ministry, my wife Susan and I had a bunch of single men from the church over. My, my wife wanted to love on them and bless them. And they, she put on this elaborate meal, man, like just food everywhere. These guys are just haven't had a home cooked meal and they're just diving into it. And then uh, uh, they, they um, we, we had dessert and everything was good. And then they left and we realized that one of them had stolen from us. They, they robbed $10,000 uh, worth of my, my wife's jewelry. And you know what? And the reality was this. They stole a lot more uh, than money. Man, they, they, they stole, man, uh, just man, our faith and in our excitement about ministry. It, it robbed us a lot. So, so do, we, do the robbers, do we need to eradicate them? We probably do that too. Um, how about uh, the sexually perverse? Do we need to eradicate and get rid of them? And, and what constitutes perverseness, right? And who gets to decide that? Or, or how about, man, if you're greedy or stingy, man, you're oppressing the poor and aren't generous, you probably got to go too, right? And, and so can, can you start to see, as you continue to move the line, who do we get rid of? In fact, uh, the list I just listed, man, uh, most of us are dead, okay? <laughs> and so that's, that's a lot of us. And so um, uh, God, uh, he, you know, he did this once before in your Old Testament, in the book of Genesis. The idea was, hey, let's get rid of the evil people uh, and we'll just keep the good people. And it was uh, Noah and his family lived and everyone else was wiped out. And you know what happened after the flood? Man, the very next page in your Bible, humanity went right back to sin, 
evil and wickedness. You get child sacrifice, uh, rape, uh, you get racism, you get all this, all the sin just peaks back up again because there's no uh, uh, good people. Uh, so why does, uh, why doesn't God prevent evil? Uh, let me read to you Romans 8 chapter 28, or excuse me, Romans 8 verse 28, a familiar passage to you. It says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things work for good to those that are called according to his purpose. But here's the problem with that verse, though I believe it, there's certain things, just uh, wicked, evil things that happen uh, in the world. And I just, I'm like, I can't see how anything good can come from that. And it's moments like that I have to, by faith, uh, do what theologians call, like, have stained glass theology. And here's what that means. Like, if you've ever seen stained glass, and if you get up too close to it, it just looks like a bunch of uh, shard glass, different colors. It doesn't make any sense. But if you're able to pull back and you get perspective, then you can see how all the uh, the jarred, uh, shard pieces and the colors, they fit together and they start to make sense. And so it's, it might take time and perspective But we can trust in the word of God that eventually all things are going to work for good and for glory. Like like, uh, there's been some dark, dark moments, probably none more dark than some 2000 years ago when they hung uh, an innocent, uh, holy man by the name of Jesus on a cross. They beat him till he was unrecognizable as a human being. It says uh, when just before he died that the sky went dark, right? Uh, All was lost. Uh, as he as he passed away, or so we thought, but rather in that dark dark moment, what happened? Man, everything was one for you and I: eternal life, forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with God. Right? Everything was one in that dark moment. But in that moment, man, no one knew. No one knew that anything good could come from that. I'll share a personal testimony in my own life. You know, uh, my parents divorced when I was about 11 years old. And and I can remember coming home from school and my mom's boyfriend was moving her out of her house. Like if you can imagine as an 11 year old boy, just kind of seeing that and the devastation of divorce. And, and, you know, my mom was devastated as well. She didn't receive custody of us as kids. And so she was kind of broken and searching and she was drawn to a church where she heard the gospel and she became radically born again. She became a Christian. And and here's what's so amazing is, you know, in that moment, she wanted the same for her kids. And so we went to the church. We got born again and became Christians. Now to this day, even my father and his wife, man, they're all born again Christians. And then I went on to be a pastor. And now I'm currently speaking to you and have spoke to thousands of people sharing the good news uh, of Jesus Christ. And here, like, uh, but as that 11 year old boy, I had no no framework for how anything good could come out of this horrific divorce. And now I look back with perspective and see all that God has done. God is truly good and can turn everything around for your good and his glory. And then uh, here's number four, and we're going to speed this up here. Uh, how can I know if I'm good enough to get to heaven? How can I know if I'm good enough to get uh, to heaven? And so I'm going to take all the suspense out of it. 
you're not good enough to get to heaven. None of us are, okay? Don't make me do the Ten Commandment thing uh, again. I feel like I've already been kind of hard on everybody today. But, but um, listen, there's, there seems to be this, this false theology out there of, of kind of the scales, that if, if my good outweighs the bad, then I get into heaven. Two problems with that. Uh, number one, it's nowhere in the Bible. And number two, the Bible actually says that our good works are like filthy rags before a holy God. In other words, there's no good to put on the scale. Uh-oh. Uh, and, and so that may sound like horrible, terrifying news, but it's the best news possible. And here's the reason why. Because now you can stop working trying to save yourself, and you can trust in the one Savior, the one that God sent to rescue us and save us. And Jesus does all the heavy lifting. Man, he does the, 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 lives the perfect life. He dies on our behalf, and he's the one that makes us righteous. He's the one that reconciles us back to God. He's the one who makes us spotless uh, in the sight of God. And so, um, and then here, let me give you number five is this. Um, the question was asked is this, which religion is right? Which religion is right? And so obviously I'm going to be a little biased uh, on this one, but here's what I'm going to submit to you. Uh, which religion is right? I would go with the one where, uh, uh, where the guy says this, I'm going to die for your sins. And then in three days, I'm going to rise again from the dead. And if that guy really does it, I would go with that one. <laughs> I, I would trust that you can bank on that person is probably uh, true, and you might want to follow that that religion. <laughs> and that is the story. Now, if, if the resurrection is true, then listen, you, you can trust the Bible, that Jesus is Lord, that you and I can be forgiven of our sins and spend eternity in heaven. In fact, there's a uh, professor, professor uh, uh, Dr. Richard Swinburne of Oxford, okay? Uh, this isn't, uh, you know, uh, something.edu online university, right? This isn't just your local community college. This is Oxford, and Dr. Richard Swinburne, he says this of the re resurrection, just by examining the evidence, you can be 97% certain that Jesus rose from the dead. And listen, you don't have to take my word for it. You know, there's people been been trying to disprove the scriptures and the resurrection for, for as long as time uh, has been going on, for as long as uh, Jesus has, has died. And, and here's what I'd say to you. Like, like scholars and skeptics like C.S. Lewis, Josh McDowell, Lee Strobel, these, are, these were scholars and intellects wanting to disprove the resurrection. But as they examined the evidence, what happened? They, they wound up saying, man, it's indisputable. And they themselves became Christians and now proponents for the resurrection. And then uh, here's the, the last question is this. Number six is this. Why does God send people to hell? And here's what I want to tell you this. God wants nobody, no man, to go to hell. Let me read to you 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Uh, it says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all, everyone, should uh, reach repentance. Did you hear that? Like God is slow in his return. Why? It's because he's waiting you, for you to, to repent. He's giving you opportunity and space to repent of your sins and to come with him because he doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants nobody to go to hell. In fact, do you know that hell wasn't even made for you? 
It was made for the devil uh, and his angels. We read about it at the end of time that Jesus is going to say those that refuse him, they're going to, they say, he's going to say this, Matthew 25, verse 41. It says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. See, it wasn't even prepared for you. Uh, it was prepared for the devil. But, but here's the thing. Uh, you and I are faced with two choices, and your eternity uh, is is uh, banking on this. And here are your two choices: you can choose uh, Jesus, God become a man, uh, as your Lord and your Savior, or you can choose Satan, the God of this world. Um, it's one or the other. There is no third option. And in fact, uh, to to try and be neutral on this or, or to, just to, to try to make another decision is by default choosing Satan, the God of this world. And so here's my appeal uh, to you this morning. Please, if you don't know Jesus, man, choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. And, and listen, if you're not ready to pray the prayer of faith, which I'm going to pray in a minute, here's what here would be my challenge. Perhaps you don't have enough uh, information, but here's what I would say, man, that a closed heart, uh, it, it prevents an open mind. And so my challenge and appeal would be, hey, man, open your heart to the fact that, hey, Jesus just might be who he says he is. And I think if you go on a, a journey that, that the, the logic will take you to, man, Jesus, uh, he died for your sins, he rose again, and he offers now life and life eternal. Let's pray. Father, I just uh, thank you for this time that, that we can gather together in your name. And Lord, my prayer is that the gospel would go out, the good news, uh, that the reality that, that we're a sinner, that we cannot save ourselves, but you sent a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And to, to those that will receive him today, Lord, you, you make yourself available. And so if that's you this morning, if you just even would just let out a simple amen, I believe God will honor that prayer, man, and you will be reconciled to God, and Jesus will come in and be the Lord and Savior of your life. And so, uh, listen, every nation, the, the sermon's over with, but we're not quite finished. Uh, I want to remind you that you can be faithful in your tithing and your giving, and just want to say thank you to all you that are partnering with us. Uh, here at Every Nation New Jersey. There's three ways that you can uh, give digitally. You can go to our website, encnj.org, and just hit the giving icon. Uh, or you can give via text. My, my family and I give this way. If you just text the letters ENCNJ to the number 77977, it's a very convenient way to give. Uh, or you can mail in your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. Hey, Every Nation, Jesus loves you, and I think you're pretty great too. Have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.